Well, uh, this morning, uh, we, I'm super excited to be with you and to share the word with you this morning. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we have been walking through the book of Acts, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed that. Uh, it has been really good. Uh, Pastor Fayez has been walking us through how the church started. Uh, he t- he's, he's walked us through um, some really interesting uh, issues that have popped up in the church with Ananias and Sapphira and, and God lit and, and them not obeying and then them dying. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Uh, this week, we're actually going to take a break from the book of Acts, and I know Pastor Fias will be excited uh, when everything settles down with them to get back into, and to continue that. But this morning, we're going to jump, uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. I was telling India on the way in this morning, I was like, for some reason, every time I speak on a Sunday morning, we're, we're always in the Old Testament, and I'm always wearing this shirt. So I have no idea. So hopefully uh, the, the good juju is mixed together, and we will figure this thing out. But we're going to go over, if you'll flip over with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. First uh, Samuel chapter 16, and and I, I love the Old Testament. I love the stories. I, I love everything about it. But and and to be honest, I feel like there's a lot of truths, even though it, in the Old Testament, that we can still apply to our lives today. And this morning, we're going to walk into a very pivotal moment in the nation of Israel and in the prophet Samuel's life. Uh, if you, uh, Samuel the prophet was one of the most godly men that had probably ever walked the face uh, of, uh, in Israel, and he had probably walked the face of the earth among that time. And he was godly, but he was also one of the most feared men to live up to Israel in this point. And this is where, church, this is where we find things out, that things are not going well. Um, you know, usually the prophet, he, he can hear God, he speaks for God, that's his primary purpose, and, and there's a situation that happens. And, and it's a moment unlike the nation of Israel has ever experienced before. And maybe, some, maybe you and maybe myself included have maybe found ourselves in a position like this. So will you read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, it says this. It said, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. The Lord says, fill your horn with oil and go. And I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, let's just pause and let's hang out here for a second. Because this is a very intense conversation that God is having with Samuel. Samuel, we, we, just, we just read it. We find that he is grieving. And, and we all know that grieving is not something that we look forward to doing. But that word grieving here is actually, it, it, it's a little bit deeper than, than just being upset. The Bible actually uh, uses this word as a harsh lament. He was, he was harshly lamenting what was going on in the nation of Israel. And it's, and it's very important, church, for, for us to understand why he is harshly lamenting. Because what we're going to see is the condition of his heart, how it plays out in the rest of this passage. But he is, he is lamenting harshly over the situation that Israel is now in with God. It, the, the lamenting was so severe that, and, and, and the situation is so rough and is so bad that Samuel, the prophet, actually decided because of what had just happened, and we'll read in just a few minutes, of what, what happened is, is that he actually decided to go home uh, to his hometown in Ramah, and he began to, and he actually had decided that he was no longer going to speak for God publicly, that he was going to begin to only speak and only to begin to only work with the younger prophets that the Lord was raising up in the nation of Israel. And I don't know about you, but this morning, but that, that, that strikes me and that's interesting to me because how does God's prophet for a nation get to such a distraught place? 
How does the mouthpiece of, of, of God, how, how, does, how does the one that speaks for him, the one that helps the king as a counselor and as an advisor to do what God has called him to do, how does he get to a place where he, not only is he distraught, but he doesn't even want to do the work that God has called him to do? That is a very low and a very hard place to be. And we find what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 2 through 3. So if you want to turn back the page, we can see what happened. And this is Samuel talking to King Saul. Samuel says to Saul, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the day when they had come out of Egypt. Verse 3 says, and Samuel looks at uh, the king Saul and says, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have done. Do not spare them, both kill, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, and camel and donkey. This was God's call for King Saul. And, and I don't know about you, but this is, this, this, is, this is not a normal strike down. This is not a normal, hey, I, I need you to go correct the people. No, this is God looking at the king and saying, hey, I want you to literally destroy everything that you come into contact with. Burn the city to the ground. I mean, this is, leave nothing behind, leave no one alive. That is a, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if I was receiving that, I don't know what I would do. That is a strong command from God, and God meant business. But we all know the story. What, what, what did he do? Saul, he, he invaded the city. He does not obey God's command. He spared the king. He wanted, and, and if you go back and read, he, he spared the king, desiring to make him his slave. He kept the best sheep. He kept the best oxen, and he kept the fattest calves for himself and for the nation of Israel. He completely ignored, and he completely disobeyed the one thing that God had asked him to do. And because of his disobedience, God rejected Saul as king. And church, could you imagine that for a second? God rejecting you? I mean, I, I know that is completely against what, like, what, what we teach and what we do, but I, I, when I was reading that and as I was preparing, I could not help but think of how, what that must have felt like for, for God to say, hey, I have rejected you. That, that is a, that is, I, I can't even imagine, I can't even fathom how that must have felt for King Saul. And this is exactly why Samuel is mourning uh, in this passage. He's in such a deep mourning that he's looking at him and he's saying, God, hey, I, I don't, the king has rejected you. We, we already have issues because we didn't want you to be our king, but we, we wanted an earthly king, and now he's disobeyed you, and now you have rejected him, and we have no idea what is next to come. We have no idea what's about to happen. We have no idea. I don't even know where to look. What do we do? And it's, a, and it's very interesting what happens next because Samuel's in such a deep mourning that God looks at him and says, hey, Samuel, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? How long are you going to mourn this guy? Church, we need to understand this morning and to be very clear that God is not upset that Samuel is mourning. He's upset of the extent of time that he's mourning. 
He is not upset that he's mourning. And, and I think so oftentimes we can get confused and we can get caught up in understanding that we shouldn't mourn. No, no, no. We should mourn. God, the, the word is clear that, that, that mourning is close to God's heart. We find that in Matthew chapter 5 where it says that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be what? Comforted. Mourning is close to God's heart. When we are in seasons of mourning, that is close. And there's a promise that each and every one of us have as believers that when we mourn, the Spirit is there to comfort us. It's not the mourning that was the issue. It wasn't, and Samuel isn't mourning the tragedy of what happened with Saul. We have to understand that. He's not, he's not upset that, that life is, is, is in a whirlwind and we have no idea what's going on, but Samuel is rather mourning the justice of God to King Saul. There's a difference. We have to understand that there, there are times to mourn. There are times to process our feelings. There are times to begin to heal. And there are times to remember from trauma or tra tragedy. But let's not confuse tragedy with wickedness. Tragedy and wickedness are two completely different things, and this is exactly what Samuel is mourning, is the, is the wickedness of King Saul. Because remember what he said, what God said in verse 1, how long will you grieve over Saul whom I have rejected? He was disobedient, he was wicked, and Samuel is struggling to get over it. He's struggling to get over it. But look at what verse 2 says, and Samuel said, and he's looking at God, and he says, well, how can I go? How, how can I go? How can I go and fill, my horn, fill the hornet and anoint the next king? How can I go? If Saul hears this, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. It's interesting. We go from seeing Saul mourning to seeing, uh, to seeing Samuel mourning to seeing him completely fearful. And it's interesting that God is in the predicament that God is putting, him, is putting Samuel in here because he's basically asking him to commit treason. He is asked, it, it, but pay attention as our passage continues in our time in the Word this morning, pay attention to the condition of Saul's heart because he goes from mourning to fear. And I do not want to be on the emotional roller coaster that, that Samuel is riding right now. I love roller coasters, but this is not one that I want to be a part of. But look at what happens in verse 3. And God looks at uh, Samuel and says, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me whom I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peacefully? This, this is comical to me because when Sam, you do not want Samuel to arrive at your city gates. That's all I'm going to say. You, Samuel was the most feared man. He, you did not, in Israel at the time, he was God's mouthpiece. And you did, not know if, you did not know what to expect if the prophet of God showed up at your house. Either manna from heaven was going to fall or the fire from heaven was going to fall. But something, church, was going to fall. I don't know what it was, but they, they, there's this fear that is going on in Israel. And the elders looked at him and said, and, and Samuel looked at the elders and said, peaceably, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, get yourselves right for what God is about to do. So consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. And look at what verse 6 says. So they, they, they now get to the place where they've been consecrated, and they begin the selection process. And look at what happens in verse 6. He says, And when they came, he looked on at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. 
Do you, did you see that, church? Samuel begins, he, he, he goes, he, he's, he's mourning, he's afraid, he obeys God, and now he has consecrate, he's consecrated himself, he's consecrated himself with the family of Jesse, and now he is beginning the selection process for the next king of Israel. And before God can even say who he has picked, and even in verse 1, remember who, whom he has even provided, Samuel has already decided who the next king is. It's funny how we think we know better than God at times. He has already assumed whom the next king should be. In verse 7, I love how God handles this. He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height or of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. What a strong but loving rebuke God gives here. Because God, once again, is, is exposing the heart of Samuel. And believe it or not, this morning, church, he can also be, in this passage, exposing our hearts as well. You see, I believe in this passage right here that there are two things that we can take and that we can apply in our lives this morning. And the first is this, is that Samuel is qualifying what God is not qualified. Samuel is qualifying what God has not qualified. The word actually says that God has rejected. Samuel is beginning to slip and he's beginning to do something that you and I struggle with all the time. Maybe even daily for some of us. And that's qualifying through the lens of familiarity. He's looking at the king and he's, he's looking at Jesse's first son and he says, that's the guy. And he's looking at it in the lens of what exactly what King Saul looked and used to be like. Just six verses ago, he was depressed. He was in a mourning state. And now he is looking to God's provided king through the same lens that God just rejected. And I don't know about you, but that is mind-boggling to me. It is mind-boggling to me. Because now it, it just because it's so easy to get caught up and it's so easy to do things out of what is routine, what is normal, and what is in our in, in our box of comfort. It's so easy to do that. Now, but let's keep reading. Not only does he say, not only is Samuel qualifying what God has qualified, but look at what the last part of that verse says. It says, but God also judges the heart, not the appearance. Of a man. And church, it's so easy to get this twisted and it's easy to get this backwards and mixed up because not only do we have an issue of qualifying what God does not qualify, but we also have an issue of judging people and basing our opinions of people based on their outward expression. Maybe for some of us we struggle with this because of a certain way that we might write people off by the certain way that they dress or the certain way that they talk and present themselves rather than examining the heart, the heart posture of the man or the person, looking at the spirit of the man. And church, it's so easy to get caught up this because we can look the part, we can sound the part, and we can even mimic the part, but that does not mean that we are the part. We can look it, we can sound it, we can mimic it, but that does not mean that we are the part. God is the one who judges the heart, and he is the one who, and he is the one who can look at someone and tell who they are. I love what Matthew Henry says in this. He says, man can only tell how each other look, but God can tell who, who the man is. That's a profound statement. 
God judges the heart, and, he, and the condition of our heart this morning matters to him. The condition of our heart matters to God. God rebuked Samuel, and he had a complete heart change in this, pa- in this passage. And because of this moment right here, because God looked at him and said, hey, look, don't, one, don't judge and don't qualify out of what you're familiar with. Don't, don't judge and don't qualify what I have not said to be qualified. And because he does, and, and don't judge and don't look at the appearance of the man, but judge the character of, of whom I am raising up, a little shepherd boy that wasn't even considered and wasn't even included in the conversation, wasn't even in the room, a little shepherd boy that was out tending the fields gets anointed to be the king. And this shepherd boy grows up to slay giants. This shepherd boy grows up to be one of Israel's best warriors. This shepherd boy was the one that brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and God blessed the nation of of Israel for that. And he made plans to rebuild the temple and was one of the greatest kings to ever walk on the face of the earth. But none of that would have happened if, if Samuel didn't obey and understood the principle that God, qualifi- that God is the one who qualifies and God is the one who judges the heart. All that happened because of this moment right here in the life of Samuel. And this morning, church, you might be asking, well, Logan, why, why are we discussing this? Why, why are we looking this over? And, 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 the que- and the answer is, church, is because I believe in this room that this morning that there might be people dealing with some of the issues, these two issues that we discuss. For some of us in, in the room today, we might be dealing with this, with this qualification issue. And let me encourage you that qualification works two ways. Because of life and because of things that have happened, we may have been convicted this morning of qualifying through what's familiar rather than what God has provided. We talked about it earlier, it's easy to, to just go through the mundane. It's easy to go through routine and allow routine to dictate what we do rather than what the word calls us to do. There is a difference. Maybe for some of us, we've, had, we've been burned and we've been hurt by people. We've been disqualified, if you will, and we've been written off by others, whether that's sin issues or there's a million other reasons as to why, or whether that's sin, whether that's hurt, whether that's pain. What, there are a million things why we could have been disqualified. And if you have been disqualified this morning, let me encourage you that there is hope for you. There's hope for all of us this morning because the only thing that qualifies us to do God's work is the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus himself. That is the only thing that qualifies us this morning. And I want to remind us of the gospel this morning because it is so easy to to mourn. It's so easy to get caught up and, and, and get depressed because we have been disqualified. But church, there is hope for us because God has qualified us, each and every one of us this morning, because Jesus died on the cross for you. And all we have to do is accept him, run to him, and he will qualify us. Because Jesus makes us right in God's eyes. When he looks at our heart, he sees his son. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have right all, all the right answers. All we need is Jesus. That's all we need. For others this morning, maybe judgment is our issue. Maybe we have a hard time. We talked about it a few seconds ago, but maybe judgment is our issue. Having this thing where we tend to write people off by the way of their appearance, and we never take the time to examine who the person is that God created. Church, let me remind you this morning that it is not our job, but it's the Spirit's. 
It's the Spirit's job to convict. And that same love, that same mercy, and that grace that He extends to that person, He also extends to you and to me every single day of our lives. So this morning, as we wrap up, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I know we don't go long uh, when I preach. I'm a youth pastor, so we're 20 minutes and done. But this morning, I do, have a, uh, I do have a couple of questions for us as we move into a time of response. So right there in your seat, will you just bow your head and will you just close your eyes this morning? You know, we, we've talked about a number of issues this morning, and, 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 I, and, I, 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 and I, I do believe that there are some things that we might be struggling with this morning, that there might be some things that hopefully God convicted you and, and, and pricked your heart with. And this morning, if, if you find yourself struggling with, with being qualified, maybe you've been burned, maybe the church has, has hurt you in that way. As a pastor, I want to apologize to you, but also... I want to challenge you this morning to forgive that that person or to forgive that situation. It's easy to, to qualify things and it's easy to say that God says this and God's done this based off of what routine and what I'm familiar with. friend, if that's you this morning, will you ask God to help you to not stay in the mundane, to not stay in routine, but to ask him to show you what he's called you to do? And lastly, this morning, we can all get caught up in this, but maybe this whole judgment thing has, we found ourselves in that circle. This morning, I want to encourage you. Will you ask the Spirit to forgive you for taking His role? And instead of judging this morning, will you ask Him to show you how to extend, the, to extend mercy? Will you ask Him to show you how to extend grace? Will you show Him Will you ask him to show you what it's like to walk every single day sharing Jesus? God, this morning, we we pause and we we just say thank you, God. Thank you for the time in your word. God, thank you for the time that we we can look and we can examine what you did in the heart of Samuel. And God, we admit this morning that it's easy to, to be like him. It's easy to to do things just out of routine. It's easy to do things from being familiar with it. And God, it's really easy to write off people because they might not look, they might not sound, they might not be what we want them to be. But God, I ask you today that you would help us to be a church. God, would you help us to be a people that know how to love others well, that know how to love you well. And God, that look to you in different seasons. God, that look to you and are reminded by you that you qualify us and not ourselves. So church, as we...